And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. Harrogate's rising. Mm. Barnsley's getting low. According to all sources, the league's the place to go. This is the Totally Football League Show. Hallelujah, it's raining In association with Paddy Power. Now that's right, listener. It was raining men who played football at the weekend and also raining water. Lots and lots of water. Uh, I'm Matt Davis-Adams. In the pod with me today, Flo Lloyd-Hughes. Hello, Matt. Um, I'm really pleased you read that out because I know producer um, Abby was really worried that if she went to all the effort of doing the Weather Girls, It's Raining Men gag, you weren't going to read it out. So I'm really relieved that we started off on a good foot with that. Uh, yeah, you'd think she'd know me by now. I'm a big Weather Girls <laughs> You're mark, open to so, anything. Uh, yeah, yeah, quite. Um, Adrian Clark's also with us. Hi, Clarky. Yeah, hello, Matt. All good. Yeah, fine, thanks. And Michelle Owen. Hello, Michelle. Hello, hello. Um, Abby would like me to point out that Flo, Adrian and Michelle means it's the fam on board today, which, um, yeah, a bit too old to get away with that. So let's move on to the championship quickly. (laughs) You're listening to the Totally Football League show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Championship headlines, Bournemouth return to the top after coming from behind to beat Sheffield United. Coventry's topsy-turvy week ends in a 4-1 hammering of Fulham. Resurgent Forest brush aside Birmingham. Not my words, the words of the BBC Sport website. Blackpool best Blackburn to move to the top half. Cardiff are only two points above the relegation zone. And Hull got their first win since opening day, beating Borough. Uh, let's start at the residence formerly known as Dean Court then. Bournemouth scored twice in three minutes as they turned a 1-0 deficit into a 2-1 win to beat Sheffield United and go three points clear at the top of the Championship. It's the first time they've started the season unbeaten in their first 11 games in 60 years. And also, Michelle, it was the first time that they'd gone behind in a game. So good for Scott Parker to find out that his team can respond to that kind of adversity. Yeah, after the, the Bournemouth result against Peterborough, the goal is straw on Wednesday. I wasn't too sure about this one. If you looked at how Sheffield United have been doing, their little resurgence, uh, mini climb up the table, if you like, although they're in the bottom half still now after that. The pressure was on Bournemouth after watching West Brom on Friday night. Um, they knew they had that chance to capitalise, to go top, to go three points clear, going into the international break. Massive opportunity for them. And for me, actually... I feel like at the start of the season, we weren't talking about Bournemouth like we were about West Brom and Fulham. And they've just sort of come good in the last few weeks and quietly gone about their business because it was all West Brom this, West Brom unbeaten, West Brom are this direct team. They've changed so much. But the job Scott Parker has done at Bournemouth so far has been fantastic. And yeah, one seven drawn four. And their goal difference is, is decent as well. So as it stands, going into this international break, I don't think Bournemouth fans could be much happier. 
Yeah, I just wanted to, to add as well to what Michelle said about the sort of directness of West Brom and, and actually I think Scott Parker's done really well to bring that into his side in certain games because I was looking at the total number of passes that he's had in games where the opposition have dominated. So, uh, but, but Bournemouth have still come out with the win. So that QPR game, which they won 2-1 and then that game at the weekend at least nearly 150 passes fewer than the opposition and Bournemouth end up winning the game. And then they've, they're going to dominate in lots of games and they have this season and, and easily reached over 400 passes. But in both the QPR game and the Sheffield United game, they were only you know just over 300 passes and still managed to find a way to win the game. And the way he's also really transformed Billings and Solanke uh, on another level because both of them, obviously quality players, and they just need to find a bit of consistency when it comes to scoring goals. And he's really helped them level up this season. And I've been really impressed with him because at Fulham, I thought Scott Parker did a good job when it came to kind of mad management. Um, but I wasn't massively keen on some of his coaching at times. But I think he has really evolved as a manager and I think he's doing a really good job. I heard Clarky Jonathan Woodgate on the on the radio over the weekend and he was asked about Bournemouth and, and you know what it would have taken for him to have got the job and he said I think even if we'd have got promoted they were so keen on getting Scott Parker that I wouldn't have got the job and he would have got it anyway. Does that surprise you? I mean, as Flo's kind of alluded to there, you, you're almost ignoring what happened in the Premier League and solely focusing on the fact that he's got a team out of the championship already. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me greatly because Jonathan Woodgate was a rookie manager. I think he was always fighting a losing battle. He would have had to have been pretty sensational, I think, to to have kept on to the job. Um, Scott Parker has been very good in in the championship. We we know that. I do think he's a really intelligent coach. He's not married to one particular style of of play. He can adapt to to suit the players that he's got at his disposal. And going back to the point Flo made, I think what happened in this game is that they sensed that Sheffield United weren't the quickest at the back, particularly down the middle. And in Dominic Solanke, they've got someone that's rapid, haven't they? So why not draw the opposition onto you to then flick the ball over the top for him to chase? And of course, that's how he won the penalty that it shouldn't have been. Let's let's be honest, it was it was way outside the box. So so yeah, no, I think I think his his tactical approach is quite smart and it's it's on a game by game basis. And you've You've got to admire the fact that what we're into October now and Bournemouth have trailed for six minutes this season. They've been behind for six minutes. It's a phenomenal achievement. You don't get a trophy for that, but it's still it's still pretty impressive. We'll see if they can maintain it. A big win for Bournemouth, but fair to say the shock of the day came in Coventry, where the host kept up their 100% home record. They thrashed Fulham 4-1 just days after having been beaten 5-0 at Luton and Marco Silva the Fulham manager said the second half was wrong everything was all wrong from beginning to end and the referee did everything wrong too because it's a clear dive for their penalty but it's not his fault we lost Um, so that's three wrongs not making it right basically uh, for Fulham Um, for Coventry though Michelle Victor Jokeresh got two goals here and he's kind of indicative of their rise isn't he he's already scored three times the number of league goals he managed last term Oh, yeah, he's had a call-up to Sweden as well, his international call-up. Nine goals in 11 games. I can't believe this is the same player that I was watching a little while ago at Swansea City. It's just chalk and cheese. And not always the neatest finisher. It's not always a clean finish, but he's where he needs to be, and as all good strikers are. It's like he's got that confidence that it's going in. You know, Everything he touches is, is turning to gold at the moment, but it's never a pen. Marco Silva's right, but... 
the character that Coventry showed to be 1-0 down and turn it around like that, if I'd seen that at half-time, I would probably fancy Fulham to go on and seal it. But they're loving being back at home by the CBS Stadium, as it's called now, I think. And I watched a fair bit of that game on Saturday lunchtime. And first time Matty Godden played 90 minutes to, you know, it's it's absolutely incredible the job that Mark Robbins has, has done there. From where they were to where they are now is, is staggering, you know, and... Can they keep it up through the season? Have they got the squad depth? I don't know, but we're going into the second international break and and they're up there. So just keep putting the points on the board. That'll be their first aim and then see where it takes them. But, you know, the good times are back for Coventry fans at the moment and they're loving it. And exciting team to watch as well. I enjoy watching them. Clarke, do you think Mark Robbins suffers a bit reputationally because he's he's not the liveliest of characters? I mean, Michelle's just pointed out, you know, he's taking them from League 2 to the top end of the championship. That's pretty incredible. And his record across the EFL, you know, bears a lot of scrutiny, I think. But you never hear him linked with another job at, at a supposedly bigger club. It's a really good point. Yeah, maybe he's not got the charisma of some of these other candidates, but but his body of work speaks for itself, as you've just pointed out. I think he'll definitely be on the radar of teams. But yeah, he's not regarded as, as fashionable, I suppose. But I don't really understand why, because the football's quite quite sophisticated, always really smart tactically. That They're getting both sides of the game right. So going forward, they've had the third most shots from open play in the division, which goes to show what, what a threat they are. Very, very good at going from back to front in the blink of an eye. And then without the ball, they're, they're one of the best pressing teams in the division as well. So, And we saw that in this game. Uh, what you've got to do against a team like Fulham that's full of technical ball players that, that want to have a nice, easy knock around on, on, a, on a Saturday afternoon, they just got in their faces. And Fulham didn't like it on that particular day. It was, it was a good time to catch them cold. And as Michelle said, it's great character to come from one down, but also great character to bounce back from an absolute tonking at Luton, which was was a bit embarrassing. So, so yeah, Mark Robbins is good. His team are good, and I think they they have got what it takes actually, provided they don't suffer major injuries to to stick around at least in the playoff picture. What about Fulham then, Flo? When they lost to Blackpool, and then again when they lost to Reading, we said, "Oh, one of those days, Championship going to Championship, etc." This is a bit more concerning than that, though. I mean, if only for the fact that they were in front in the game and then conceded four. Yeah, and I feel like what they are lacking is what teams like Coventry are showing in in spades is that fighting spirit. It's potentially that leadership. Um, and it's interesting to lack that when you're having a season that's going fairly well. You've got players who are, you know, potentially some of the best in the league, but it's that kind of confidence um, and motivation and having to kind of sustain that throughout games that I think sometimes they struggle with. But I think I think they'll bounce back. I don't think they, on the kind of balance of the season so far, are going to get an automatic promotion spot. But I think they'll definitely secure a playoff spot. But I just think West Brom and Bournemouth are, are too good looking at things so far, looking at what those sides are doing to, to teams that they play bar Friday night. So I, I think they'll be fine. But that that first goal that the Coventry scored, I mean, the, the, defend, the defending was a bit of a mess. Um, and I think that they need to kind of find some stability and leadership there to bring, bring things back on track. And I would like to think that maybe 
uh, once they return from the international break, they might have another bad weekend against QPR. That would be great. And then they can restart things <laughs> after that. Yeah, they're also under pressure. And I don't think we should ignore that. That This is a team that's expected to go up. They're loaded with players that want to be in the first team that expect to be in that starting lineup, And they're not all going to be. And... And look, yeah, when you have results like this, it suddenly means that the, the clamour for for the manager to then make wholesale changes because he's got the quality in reserve is really strong. And it, I think this is going to be a, a test for, for Marco Silva over the course of this season because, for instance, Gazaniga is not is not rated by a lot of the fans there, but he's, he's now just coloured to the mask and he wants him as the number one. Is he going to cave and put in Rodak? And you can look at around the pitch, Onoma, he came in for Serie at the weekend. That will probably change again. I think when you've got a lot of options, it's fine. It's hard to get that that strong regular eleven. And I think having a strong regular eleven definitely helps, even in the championship where you you have to make the odd change here and there. Uh, let's get on to Birmingham City nil, two-time European champions Nottingham Forest three. <laughs> St Andrews. Uh, here's our friend Nick Miller tweeting: "It's possible Nottingham Forest Football Club will never lose a game." Uh, he might be right, Clarky. What's what Steve Cooper done done differently? To, to I mean, other than the obvious thing of saying, "Hey, you don't just have to try and defend all the time and not playing exactly the same formation in every match of your tenure." There's got to be a bit more to it than that. Cooperman, that's what they call him, isn't it? <laughs> Cooperman, we've got to address him as that from now on. Um, Super Coop, maybe. Is Super Cooper, yeah, Super, Super Cooperman. Um, I think the shape of the team, the three-four-two-one, definitely suits the players. They've got two really natural wing backs in Spence and and Low. They've got loads of good centre backs, and they're having to leave one out before. So, so for me, it, it makes sense to do that. I also like the fact that Zinkenagel and Brennan Johnson are playing. Not stranded to the wings, they were kind of handcuffed in the in the four two three one. Previously, they've now got that freedom to to pop up here and there, and they're two really good players for different reasons. Zinkanagel, creative Johnson, just scares defenders, and and yeah, it's it's just a bit of man management, isn't it? It's arm around the shoulder. You're a really good player. Relax, go out there, enjoy yourself, and 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 suddenly you you get a tune out of teams and players like Graben. Um, yeah, for me, Forest before, you didn't really know what sort of team they wanted to be. In the early stages under Cooperman, it's they're a they're a counter-attacking team, aren't they? They're a team that's deadly on the turnovers. And I looked at the stats actually. No Forest team, no no team in the championship has actually um produced more high turnovers than Nottingham Forest. And I would hazard a guess that the majority of those have come in the last couple of weeks. So, um, so yeah, it's a, a style is developing. Adrian, I think it's interesting, if that's right, if what you said there about the wingers, because I watched Forrest with Brennan Johnson's dad the other week when they play Cardiff. Remember how poor Cardiff have been this season. And he, I got the impression that there was some frustration about that rigid formation, how they couldn't have that licence. And Brennan Johnson seems to be the sort of player that needs a bit of licence to to show what he can do which I'd imagine for most wingers is a thing and from what I know of what Steve Cooper did at Swansea it's just about creating that unity you know you're all on the same page you're all pushing the same direction and it's not to say you know Chris Hewton is suddenly a bad coach overnight or anything but I just think they're really chalk and cheese in their approaches and never mind the new manager bounce and all that there is a bit of that but what is it six goals six points in two away games they had a couple of early scares against Birmingham you know but 
they never, by the sounds of it, they never seemed too concerned. It was like they could ride out the storm and there's like that unity together now. So it is a tweak of tactics, but it's also a tweak of belief. David Johnson was in the away end on Saturday to watch Brennan Johnson play. Flo? Yeah, and I was just going to add to that to say, to say the belief definitely is there and just looking at the, the body language of the players and, and the positivity, especially kind of Lewis Grabney looks like a changed man. Um, but I am growing concerned about Birmingham. I, I liked them at the start of the season. I thought Liboya had done a really good job, but just looking at their stats, having seen them uh, midweek as well against QPR, they are they really, really are struggling to put away some of their chances. Their XG isn't terrible. It's 1.37 uh, at the moment across the season, but they're failing to score over half their chances. 55% of their chances they're failing to score and they have a shot conversion rate of just 7%. Uh, Scott Hogan got the seat, got up and running this season quite well and I was kind of singing his praises on this podcast. To, I thought he was going to have a, a good year and it, that hasn't really happened. They've only scored more than one goal twice this season. That big win of, over Luton, I think I came on after that pod and then 2-0 win over Derby. But apart from that, they just... They just cannot score any goals. Troy Deeney was dropped at the weekend. I thought he actually looked quite dangerous against QPI. He had a really good opportunity and they weren't really marking him out of the game, which most teams try and would. But yeah, they really, really need to put away some of these chances because otherwise they could find themselves in trouble. And also a, a shout out as well to Nottingham Forest women's side because they set a league record for their attendance yesterday. They did lose 2-0 against Derby, sadly, Matt. Sorry to add that. I was just going to say, but don't they, mention the score. <laughs> don't mention the score. But they did get 4,443 people to the city ground for an FA Women's Northern Premier League game, which is unbelievable. That's I think that's the highest that any women's football match got in England across the weekend, much more than any of the WSL sides got, I'm pretty sure. So massive, massive effort from them. And, and you know, what a positive weekend for the club. Yeah, fantastic stuff at the city ground, uh, if not on the pitch. Uh, while we're with you, Flo, you can have the final word on, on the championship. QPR, it's going pretty well again, all of a sudden. You were there at the Cayenne Prince Foundation Stadium on Saturday to see easily the best header of the season and five goals as well. Yeah, I mean, Lyndon Dykes, he's had a a strange old season um, because I think at times you sort of wonder who he is and what he is um, because he's he's just too inconsistent. But actually on midweek as well, he provided a brilliant assist for Chair's winner. And then on Saturday with that ridiculous header on the floor, um, you know, he's kind of proving his worth, even if he's not, always getting a ton of goals. He did score at the weekend as well. He is he is showing that he is working hard. But I think you always just see the difference in in the level of player because even Charlie Austin, when he's not fully fit, the awareness and the intelligence and the finish is just a, a completely different level to Lyndon Dykes. And sometimes I almost feel like no matter how much Lyndon Dykes works, no matter how hard he works, no matter how fit he is, no matter if he gets in the right areas, he's just never going to be at that level. And I don't quite know if he's good enough to be a consistent championship forward, but I respect his creativity to be able to provide that winner. And um, yeah, I mean, QPR seem to love playing in terrible weather conditions. So it <laughs> bodes well for the autumn and winter anyway. Yeah, that win means they go into the international break in the playoff places. Uh, Abby, let's get some championship odds, please, courtesy of Paddy Power. 
Well, contrary to what we've been saying, a little bit worried about Fulham. Fulham are still actually uh, the second favourites to be promoted. Uh, they are one to two to go up. West Brom are the favourites at four to nine, and Bournemouth the third favourites at evens. You've been bigging up Forest a lot, Matt. So you'll be glad to know that their odds to get promoted have come in a bit. They're now twenty-two to one to get promoted. Uh, for context, that's the same as Bristol City. Yeah, I wouldn't bother betting betting on either of those two, to be honest. All right, we'll be in League One in a moment. So, Mr. Biasa, what's troubling you? Well, Doctor, my translator is constantly undermining me. Last week, I told everyone to take five and get an ice cream, but he told them to run laps and practice their shooting. Sometimes it seems they don't know what they're doing, but with Paddy Power, you always know you're getting top draw rewards. If one leg of your bet builder on a football game lets you down, get your money back as a free bet. Paddy Power! Pretty much bet builder bets only, max free bet £10 per day, excludes enhanced match odds, min four plus legs, min odds one fifth per leg, online exclusive T's and C's apply, 18 plus, becomeaware.org. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Because you're a listener of the Totally Football League show, you can get a third off an Athletic subscription right now. All you need to do is head to theathletic.com forward slash league show. That's theathletic.com forward slash league show. League One headlines. Uh, what? Pompey beat Sunderland 4-0. Elsewhere, Wigan back on top after a 2-0 win at Gillingham. Shout out to the Wigan fans in the see-through Rain Max in the exposed away end at Priestfield. Doncaster tasted victory for just the second time. And speaking of much-needed wins for struggling sides, Charlton got the W at Fleetwood. Uh, let's start with that sensational result at Fratton Park then. Good job we had Sunderland keeper coach David Priest on last week's pod instead of this week's. Uh, the Black Cats previously peerless, pulverised by Pompey here. No wins in eight coming into this one. Sunderland on their best ever start. So, Michelle, I'd imagine they're the supporters who made that, what, just over 10-hour round trip probably did so thinking it was going to be worth their while. 2,135 of them did it. I know, and a lot of them got soaked, didn't they? That would have been a wet, miserable journey back. Phenomenal. Uh, the club's worst run for Portsmouth for two and a half years. I think I put soccer Saturday and I was like, I'm sorry, what? Is there a mistake here? <laughs> and uh, I think Dickie was doing it, the game and Dickie Davis was saying it was 4-0. He said it was 4-0. And um, there were some concerns about it being called off. I'm like, you cannot call a game off when a team is thrashing the other one 4-0, especially when it's so unexpected. But I'm delighted for Danny Cowley because I think he, he was saying in the local press, I remember reading last week, how it been one of the toughest sort of weeks, especially as a manager of his career so far in 15 years of football management. He was finding it really tough, trying to find why they weren't quite getting the results. Um, but I think he's just getting a tune out of some players like Lee Brown. Brilliant goal celebration if you haven't seen it. It goes on his belly and slides through two players' legs. Well worth a watch. Um, he scored once in 99 games under Kenny Jacket, And he's got, um, he got on the score sheet for the fifth time in, in 12 appearances against Sunderland. So it's obviously something about Sunderland. But, you know, it's, it's a huge win for Portsmouth because no defeats in nine for Sunderland. You'd never expect it to end in that fashion. You'd have thought, oh, maybe it'd be a tight game. You know, Fratton Park, really difficult place to go. The crowd is literally on top of you. But when it's going Portsmouth's way, it is a really hard place to be. Um, so delightful for the Cowley brothers, just not one I saw 
one I saw coming at all. But there was no way that Portsmouth were going to let that game be abandoned, even if it was raining cats and dogs. Their previous wins, Adrian, and indeed this one, have all, have all been to nil. So it would appear they've got a reasonably competent defence. Was it just a case of not taking chances prior to this? And, and we've spoken about John Marquis being the, the chief culprit in that regard, and he put that right here. Yeah, yeah. John Marquis has come, come in for a bit of flack from the Pompey fans, so really pleased for him. Um, great contribution, beautiful little flick, wasn't it, for that brown goal that Michelle was talking about, and, and, and he scored a couple himself. Um, yeah, it's hard to fathom why they've they've dropped so many points. I think individual mistakes have, have not helped. They defend really well from the front. Um, under Danny Cowley, something called passes per defensive action, which basically is how many passes an opposition team have before you disrupt them. And the lower the number, the better. And, and opponents only have 8.7 passes per defensive action against Portsmouth, which is the lowest in the league. So that tells you that they really get in the face and make life difficult. They definitely did that to Sunderland in this match. They're better on the ball now than they were under Kenny Jacket. They're averaging, I think, 56% possession, which is right up there. So, so they're a quite a rounded team, full of talented individuals. So it's just a matter of now finding that, that team and getting, the, getting everything to click and gel together. Um, in this match, I applaud them because what they did was play to the conditions and that's what Sunderland didn't do. It was, it was awful. You saw the pictures, the ball was holding up. But, but Pompey sort of sacrificed some of their passing, just went clip it into the corners, turn the defence, put them under pressure and, and it, it worked a treat. And, and Sunderland, I think, tried to continue playing the same way and even Lee, Lee Johnson was saying change like when the conditions are like this you've got to play differently uh, and we didn't and and yeah it's it's one of those days that Sunderland would just want to forget about it was, they got drenched they didn't turn up they were battered um but they did win the previous game 5-0 so I, I don't think the alarm bells should be ringing too too loudly at the stadium at like but that's on the manager flow, isn't it? If, if you know, we should be adapting and playing to the conditions. Interesting, these two coming up against one another, kind of two of the more modern, forward-thinking, younger coaches in the division. And yeah, it looks like one got his team to play the conditions and the other didn't. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of intrigued by that. And I was reading some of the post-match comments from the players as well, saying the same thing, you know, like we we didn't adapt um, and we could only have ourselves to blame. But you would have you would have thought that you know, they the, the coaching staff would have realised that and then told them on the pitch, like, you can't keep playing that way. We've got to do it differently today. But it would seem like that didn't happen. Um, and they kind of only have themselves to blame. And perhaps they thought, oh, well, it will ease off. And, and obviously it was all over by half time anyway. So it was kind of too little too late. They couldn't really change much going into the second half that really would have given them much of a shot at getting anything out of the game. But I mean, we, we know that, so many times in in the football league, you do have to just get down and dirty sometimes, and that's the way that you're going to win the game. And unfortunately for the prettier sides in the division, um, it's a bit of a wake up call when the opposition uh, are smarter to do that than you are. But yeah, like like Adrian said, this this isn't going to hurt them for too long, and you know I doubt we're going to get conditions as bad as that that often this season. But you know global warming and all that. You know, it might be snowing in May. We never know. Yeah, Lee Johnson's always worth a good soundbite, isn't he? We, we love a Lee Johnson quote. And and I've got another one for you. That I, th- I found this interesting. I don't know whether he's talking absolute gobbledygook or whether he's got a point here. He says, our challenge will be in the winter. 
My experience of younger players is that they're very good in the summer when the pitches are spot on, when the weather is good, etc. They're not necessarily hardened to that battle in January, February. So that'll be another test for us. I mean, that's quite a generalisation uh, on younger players. <laughs> I just, yeah, it's, not, it's something I've never really thought of, to be perfectly honest. Uh, yeah. Is there anything in that, Matt? You think? Well, if it, if it was 20 years ago, he would have substituted younger players with foreign players and used Stoke as the analogy, I would guess. <laughs> I yeah. think there's definitely something in that sort of not, and not this is necessarily about age, but that academy upbringing. I mean, Mark Warburton's a manager who's always talked about the fact he doesn't like sort of academy kids that much because he feels like they haven't had to tough it out in the football <laughs> league and they've had a too softer sort of break into football and they're, you know, they, they're protected and you know, the games that they play isn't kind of the real world. And I guess you could say the success of Brentford and the B team kind of proves that, is that if you actually play more competitive matches against senior players, you're probably going to get better footballers as a result. So I kind of sympathise with him in that way. Um, but yeah, you can't really just say every, everyone under the age of 25 or whatever it may be doesn't like playing in the in the cold. I mean, I don't like playing in the cold either, but I'm not a professional footballer. Um, so I do, I, but I do think there's something to be said with, you know, a player that's got over 100 appearances in the Football League versus someone who you've got on loan from Watford or Spurs or whatever it may be. It's an interesting point as well, because I think the player, it's such a different culture now for young players coming through. When you're 16, 17, 18, players get offered a pro deal so much quicker than they might have 10, 15 years ago because the club is worried that someone else is going to snap them up. So they get quite a lot quite quickly, which can make you quite cushy. I'm not trying to be too generalised, like Lee Johnson's comments there, but there is a real shift, I think, we're seeing now in perhaps the players that were coming through 20 years ago to 2021. Excellent. They don't, they don't make them like they do anymore, do they? <laughs> Times have changed, they? In my day. <laughs> well, I was part of that generation, Michelle, and I was so soft, it's unbelievable. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's down to the individual then. <laughs> also, if you don't like playing in the cold, maybe don't sign for Sunderland would be a good idea. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, if you're with us for Thursday's show, you'll have heard Gareth Ainsworth's thoughts on everything from Van Halen in the gym to drinking red wine with Pep. Uh, he also predicted a tricky afternoon for his Wickham against Morecambe, and he was on the money with that one. Uh, the chairboys came from two down to win 4-3, thanks to Curtis Thompson's stoppage time strike. Always great for supporters, Clarkie, but I imagine as a player too, that's about the sweetest victory you can uh, get. Especially on a rainy day when you can do that slidey celebration that everyone seems to be doing at the moment. I mean, I've never seen so many knee slides. It's quite quite remarkable, really. But no, it will have it will have felt so sweet for them. Um, two nil down, three two up, and and then they were pegged back to three three, and the wind's out of their sails. So to, to score that goal would have would have been absolutely fantastic. So so yeah, it, I, I think they were helped. The, the, the Morecambe goalkeeper didn't didn't cover himself in glory, but but great great character. Vokes starting to really find his feet, um, leading the line for Wickham. And it was a different type of game for Wickham, who don't normally have that much of the ball, but but they had the majority of possession in this game, so they sort of found a way to to, to play a little bit differently. And, and just just a shout out again to to Joe Joe Jacobson and his just wizardry really from corners. He just makes things happen. He makes goalkeepers literally crumble at the knees, and that's pretty much what what happened with Carl Etheren. He claimed a foul. And, and and I know Stephen Robinson actually got sent off protesting about that particular goal, but 
for me, it's the it's the quality of the deliveries are just bamboozling goalkeepers on a, if not a weekly basis, it feels like a fortnightly basis. And those quality deliveries, absolutely perfect for the likes of Sam Vokes, Michelle. This was kind of what you're expecting to see from him, classic Sam Vokes headed goal and, and speaks again to what, what Ainsworth was talking to us about, about the strength in depth that he's got in his squad. You know, Vokes hasn't necessarily been getting as many goals as you would have hoped, but there's plenty of other players who can come in and step up. Yeah, I think for Sam Vokes, he would have expected a lot a lot more from when he went there with respect to Wickham, you know, going there from playing in the Championship for a couple of years and, and playing for Wales. I think he might have been a bit disappointed with, the, with his return to start with, but maybe just need, needed a couple to get going. But there is far more depth in, in that Wickham squad. And it's... um. It's a great squad for League One. It wasn't quite strong enough last year for the Championship, but he's got options on the bench. Don't forget, Akin Fenwar's just waiting in the wings if it's one of those games to come on, can still do a job. But Joe Jacobson, like you said, I think it was him that was marauding forward for the last goal, for the Thompson goal. I'm sure it was that the referee played advantage and really great advantage, by the way, by the referee to play advantage in that moment and to let the move continue. And then Curtis Thompson lashes at home. Um, but Joe Jacobson, just to go back to that point, for me, oh, is he the best dead ball specialist in League One? I mean, I'm, I'm surprised, and I mean this in the nicest way, that he isn't playing higher because I've always loved watching him for Wickham. I know he's been there for a long time. But one of the best uh, lines I read after this game was that we know what a character Gareth Ainsworth is and I've been lucky enough to spend a bit of time with him but he cycled 20 miles on Saturday to get to the game because, as we all know, you can't get petrol diesel for love nor money. So he just got on his bike and he got there on time. So I'm sure he wouldn't mind getting soaked on the way home either. But great story to come out of that one. Yeah, very wet hair at the end of this game. Bless him. Uh, Morecambe-wise, Flo, uh, you kind of look at this and think, scored three goals away from home and didn't win. That's not great. But as you know, I'm, I'm Mr Positivity. I'd look upon it as scored three goals and Cole stopped and didn't get one. So they can actually spread the load a bit and show they're not totally reliant on him. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think as a manager, I don't think you can be too disappointed. Like obviously, it's not great to concede that many goals, but you have to praise the fight and the determination that your side showed to put themselves in a position to go on and, and try and win the game. And obviously, it's frustrating having gone 2-0 up, but I do think that you know it's good to know that your side can score goals anyway and that they're not just giving up when things don't quite go to plan. Got a quick stat on Morecambe that, that might interest you. They've only let in four goals before half-time. Very good. One up there among the best in the league. They've let in 14 after the break. It's, that's a huge difference, the most actually in League One. I don't know what the answer is. Some people would, would instantly say, oh, they're not fit enough, whatnot. But That's just what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, some I, people. I, yeah, yeah, sorry, mate. <laughs> but no, that's that's an assumption people will jump to. And maybe that's true. I don't know. I don't watch them often enough to, to be able to tell. But um, yeah, it's, it's a pattern that, that needs to change because... They keep conceding important late goals. I think it happened in injury time at Ipswich and, and AFC Wimbledon as well. So, so yeah, that's something for them to fix, even though, in general, you know, times are pretty good there, right? Yeah, I was just going to say, I don't think they'll be disappointed with their start to the season at all, considering where they are, 13th, 14 points going into the international break. I think every Shrimps fan would have taken that. Yeah, they are, what, five points above the relegation zone. They can look up 
not down, you would think. Uh, Abster, give us some odds on League One, please. I'm looking at the top goal scorer odds for this one. And Adrian, I want to throw you a question. Who do you think Paddy Power have as the favourite to be the top goal scorer for League One? Who's the favourite? That's a good question. I would imagine, Abby, that Ross Stewart might be favourite with Macaulay Bond because they play for Ipswich and Sunderland, two teams that are expected to to be strong throughout the campaign. Those are the two I'd probably have at the top. You're half right. It is Macaulay Bond. He is the favourite, six to one. Uh, Cole Stockton currently leads the uh, goal scoring charts. He's seven to one, and Ross Stewart is at eight to one. So I'd be looking at that Ross Stewart maybe if I was going to put a little penny on something. Uh, Macaulay Bond, of course, French for Macaulay Good. Right, League Two next. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. This is the Totally Football League show from The Athletic. Keep up to date with everything Totally by following us at The Totally Show on Twitter. League 2 headlines. FGR four points clear at the top after winning at beleaguered Carlisle. There's late drama at Port Vale. Nigel Clough's under pressure as Mansfield lose again. In the Matt Taylor derby, neither could Taylor a win. And there are reports that Saturday's win against Scunny might have been Mike Flynn's last game in charge of Newport. Uh, plenty of thrills and spills in the EFL this weekend. That was very much the case in the Potteries as Port Vale beat Leighton Orient 3-2. The window overshadowed after O's keeper Lawrence Vigaru shared screenshots of racist messages he'd been sent by Port Vale fans slash mouth breathers after the match. Vale say they are investigating. Uh, in terms of the match, Michelle, what a comeback from the home side. Scored twice in stoppage time and moved into the automatic promotion places as a result. Yeah, third place after 10 games. But what I think is most impressive about this is they've beaten the teams in first, second... Fourth and fifth, so that's Forest Green, Harrogate, now Leighton Orient, and Swindon. So they're not beating teams that you might, with respect, expect to be struggling down the bottom of the table. I just think Daryl Clark deserves a lot of credit as, as well as the players. You know, he recruited twelve players for the start of the season, and we're really seeing them gel together. And I think for Daryl Clark, he's finally found a a role since really leaving Bristol Rovers, where. He can start looking up because he's always said he didn't he didn't want to be at a team where success was just staying in the league. And, and when he left Warsaw to to go to Portville, I think a few people thought, well, that's a strange move. You know, he seemed to be finding his feet at Warsaw. They were mid table, but what he's doing at Portville is is really really exciting for the fans at the moment. And you know, there's there's a lot of competition to go up this season. But the way Daryl Clark's got them playing, they've lost a couple, yeah, but. 
that character to score those late winners, it's going to be massive and perfect timing for them. So they'll be full of confidence because the teams they're beating are the ones up there with them. Uh, yeah, including Orient, who are fourth, but without too much to worry about, I don't think, even after this defeat, Adrian, they're first on the road all season. Oh, no, no, nothing to worry about, really. I, I think they're they're a really good side. They just came up against a team that are, inspired, that are A, a very good team as well, but, but they were inspired towards the end of the game. I think if Kenny Jackett looks back at it, he might say, oh, did my... Did we allow the, the the back guys to drop a little bit too deep late on to invite the pressure? If you looked at the goals, you'd certainly could accuse them of, of dropping off a little bit too deep um, because the, the goals were scored from cutbacks. And, and, and that's you know, ordinarily because everybody's behind the ball. No one's in the right position to, to then get close enough to the person attacking the, the cutback. But no, look, the data is very strong as well. They've faced the fewest shots per 90 in the division late in Orient, so they don't give a lot of way. They're the second highest goal scorers in the league with 18. In Harry Smith, they've got one of the, the best target men in the division. He's got six already. Um, he, he's flying and and they're really good at set pieces. It's a really interesting dynamic in terms of the chances they create, right? They've created 45 chances from set pieces, ridiculous amount, and only 67 in open play. It's almost level. And when you think about how few set pieces really you, you get in a game, it's, yeah, that, that shows you how dangerous they are for, from those situations. No. Leighton Orient, I, I thought ahead of the season that they would um, be around the playoffs and, and yeah, I, I'm not going to change my mind. Yeah, just to add on on Paul Smith as well, the first time he played at the weekend since the start of August because um, he's had a hamstring injury and I think his addition just instantly lifted the side and I think they're, they're going to really be boosted by the fact that he's returned and hopefully if he can stay fit, he's such an energetic player that he's exactly what they'll need kind of going for, for the rest of the season. Bit of a gap opening up at the top of League Two. FGR seven points clear of fourth-placed Orient already. Uh, Abby, let's get some League Two odds, please. Yeah, we're looking at the top three finish uh, for this one. And as you mentioned, Forest Green's gap means that they are odds on for a top three finish. They are four to five. Uh, the other two expected to be up there are Bradford and Leighton Orient, according to Paddy Power. Bradford 13 to five and Orient uh, 11 to four. Uh, weirdly, we have 15th place Salford City as the fourth most likely at three to one. Um, so I'd be looking at that Port Vale 10 to three if I were you. <laughs> Okay, you can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com or the Paddy Power app. Prices are accurate at the time of recording. It's over 18s only. Terms and conditions apply. And when the fun stops, stop. Uh, Now then, I'm going to use all my much vaunted uh, poise to not call this section Adrian's ball bags that we're finishing on. Um, But, Clarky, you are going to be making the draw for the FA Cup fourth qualifying round in a couple of hours from now. I was going to say it'll be live on TalkSport too, but it will already have happened by the time people listen to this. So hopefully they've already tuned in. Um, how are you feeling about it, first of all? Well, limbering up the elbow as we speak. There's a lot of arm action involved because there's a lot of teams. A lot of teams in this draw. So it's going to be a bit of a workout. Um, but no, really looking forward to it. Um, very honoured. Um yeah, not quite sure why I've been asked to do it, but I'm, I'm, I'm gladly do it. Um, I, I did it a few years ago um, on, on the radio and it was such a buzz because it's like this is the actual velvet back and these are the actual balls and, and, and just, you know, getting to say number two, number five. <laughs> 
like power, this, like, power you coming. have. You went, you got, but you got a power trip, didn't you? You were like, yeah. I am the man. Obviously, there was slight pressure around the, the six and the nine. You don't oh, want to be getting that wrong. So, mm. Honestly, <laughs> but Michelle knows. Michelle's been involved in draws. Um, <laughs> it's just yeah, pressure, right? It gives you nightmares. It's got a line, Clarky. You'll be all right. Yeah. <laughs> don't ask me which way the line is. But yeah. <laughs> oh, as long as you don't do a Rod Stewart, I, I think you'll be all right. Well, um, yeah, I probably haven't got time to do a Rod Stewart between now and, and, and getting over to, to TalkSport HQ. <laughs> it did make me think, though, what other life-slash-footballing events should have a ball drawn from a velvet bag? Flo, what have you got for this? Well, I've been watching Married at First Sight UK recently, and I was thinking, yes. what would be another way to kind of match people up? And I was thinking, you could just chuck a load of your friends' names in a hat and think... Let's oh, see flow steady now. This is how some parties go. Careful. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, it's khakis. <laughs> um, and then, and then, uh, yeah, and then decide who's got marry who. Um, but unlike married at first sight, when the marriage isn't actually legally binding, this would be. So we got to add another level to it. Yeah, probably be more successful as well than, than <laughs> exactly. the use on that show. It's good um, though, Michelle. isn't it? Right? Have we enjoyed the series? Look, just, I know this is yeah. a football podcast. Yeah, but good. So it's good. good Absolute it? carnage. Yeah, too commercial brilliant. for me. I, I preferred it in the early days. Um, always have the same outcome. No, they never stay together. Uh, Michelle, what have you got for this? Oh, I just find this one of those bizarre things you've asked me on this podcast. But I don't know. I've been th- I've been thinking about it, and I was trying to explain to my husband. He's like, no, I just I don't understand what they're trying to do. <laughs> He's like, but why? So, uh, I said uh, two ideas. I was like, oh, I, I can't think. What if you had um, you had to go and choose your pet, but you didn't know what you were getting? So each each number was allocated. So like number one was a lizard, two was a dog, <laughs> three was a cat, and whatever you pulled out would be uh, would be the animal you got. Or if you literally wanted it to be mundane everyday activities, just whatever you pulled out of the the bag was what you had to eat that day. So <laughs> a bit bad for vegetarian potentially like me, but yeah, number one like a bacon sandwich or whatever. You'd have to have it's a lot very... in the cupboards, Michelle. You'd have to have so much in the cupboards. Or the it's fridge, very yeah. I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here, really, isn't it? It was, wasn't it, actually, Flo? Yeah, yeah. But that's that's what I've got. Sorry, it's probably my poorest attempt so far. Uh, by the way, I don't understand what they're trying to achieve here. It's the title of a lot of reviews for this podcast. If you want to go on and give us five stars, uh, then please do. Uh, Clarky, did you have an alternative for what you've been doing this afternoon? For me, it's a no-brainer. It's um, it, it's getting on a plane. The scrum to get on first, oh, to get your seat, yeah, it just one. does my head in every time. I hate the premise of having to pay extra to be at the front of the queue. Yeah, such a con. Let's just draw. Let's just draw it. Number 27, Michelle Owen. Off, off, off you go. Num- number yeah, 52, the, the, the Davis Adams family. It staggers it. You can all go off in, in, in a really nice nice order. There's a little bit of space. There's no favouritism. It's just, it's just randomly drawn. I, that's the way forward, I think. And you could legit do a home and away draw for that because you could have the flight out and then the flight coming back. Again. So, <laughs> and wouldn't it make wouldn't it make things more interesting when you're sat in that departure lounge? Which oh, is yeah. it's, it's on quite, edge. Who's it going to yeah, be? Yeah, exactly. I think it would it would add add real excitement ahead of your your trip. So uh, yeah, maybe it could happen. There you go, Stelios. You can have that one, mate. That's on us. Uh, that'll just about do it for us for today. Many thanks to Michelle, to Flo and to Adrian and to Abby for knocking it all together. But mainly to you for listening. We'll be back with more on Thursday. Until then, from all of us here, it's goodbye. You've been listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad-free on the Athletic app and keep up to date with everything Totally by heading to at the Totally Show on Twitter and on Insta. 
Find out the latest subscription offers by going to theathletic.com forward slash league show. The Totally Football League Show is an Athletic Media Company production. The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.